You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. But uh, yeah, I guess you just got, it, it's a skill in itself. Just let it fall off your back and figure out, yeah, and, and always just focus on like, okay, what can I do to prevent that? And if it's something you can't prevent, then it's absolutely nothing to to lose sweat over. You know what I mean? Like if someone strobed you in the face or you slipped and then you you weren't set up for the solo right and you fucked it up, there's nothing you can do about that. Like for me now, it's all just mentality, like breathing, like, you know what I mean? And being calm before I go on and not pressing too hard and playing too hard. And you know what I mean? Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk about their lives, music and craft, beer. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have them behind the podcast. Heavy Montreal have two massive shows coming through the Montreal area in the next few weeks. They have the tour to end all tours. That's right, Sabaton and Epica will be here on October 22nd at Place Belle in Laval. And there is also the Trivium Between the Barrier to Me Whitechapel and Chemist Tour that will be coming to Montreal on MTELUS on Wednesday, October 26th. If you would like to get your tickets to either of these shows, head on over to their website, heavymontreal.com. I have put that link in the description of this podcast i am going to be at these shows so you most certainly should be as well come party with me and enjoy some metal in montreal presented by heavy montreal it's gonna be a blast this Saturday, October 29th, come celebrate the four-year anniversary of Vox and Hops at Turbo House in my hometown of Montreal on St. Denis Street. To celebrate the fact that I've been running this podcast for four years, I am going to be recording a live podcast episode where I have put two amazing individuals head-to-head, a vocal battle. That's right, we got Pascal Germain Barardi, who is a professional classical vocalist, against Sébastien Croteau the extreme vocal expert clean vocals versus harsh vocals who is going to come out on top i can't wait to host this conversation both of these musicians are absolutely incredible i cannot wait so damn stoked for this live podcast recording happening october 29th at turbo house for the four-year anniversary of the podcast but there is more that's right the great sabatini one of my favorite montreal-based bands will be performing a very exclusive set for us that night come party with me at turbo house october 29th come enjoy life metal and craft beer in celebrations of four years of vox and hops now before we jump into today's episode i'd just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice but more than that i would love for you to tell one of your guitar playing friends that the vox and hops metal podcast exists you can tell them that there are over 370 episodes where i sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians and we talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer if you would encourage one of your guitar playing friends to become a brand new vox and hops head that would be something that i would truly appreciate now today on the podcast i'm joined by scott carstairs of fallujah get ready everyone this is vox and hops episode number 373 i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Scott Carstairs of Fallujah. 
first time that we're hanging out. We, we sort of met each other at Brutal Assault. I reminded you of that. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Let's just start with a very simple, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Really good. I'm happy to be in Canada. I'm happy you guys let me into the country. That's cool. And uh, this city is awesome. And uh, excited to drink beers, have a conversation. Yeah, it seems like it's like a lot of good stuff to eat around here. So, yeah, Hell it might yes. have to be in a cool city. Yeah. Hell yes, Montreal rules, obviously. We are very stoked and very lucky to be at Turbo House, where Vox and Hops, myself, I curate their craft beer list. Uh, let's just jump straight into it. Uh, we're going to be drinking a Fest beer by Lagerbrau. This is actually the second Lagerbrau brew that I feature here. You wanted something crispy. This is definitely what they got going on right now. A Fest beer is uh, brewed in honor of the Oktoberfest style brews. Lagerbrau are a very cool young brewery from here in Quebec. They contract brew out of Avant-Garde. It's a killer, killer brewery. Cool people that run it. I can't like them enough. I'm going to pour this out. You pour out your beer, and we'll come back with more questions. Gorgeous. It pours out with a nice light yellowish, sort of orangey see-through veil. Love it. Nice little head on it. Gorgeous. Uh, let's uh, do a cheers, then we'll move forward. Cheers to you. Cheers, man. Got that cereal nose. Smooth. Uh, very beery taste. Yes, would beery be, taste. Would be the, <laughs> like an old-school sweet dish sort of hmm. beery taste. It's, it's very definitely wet tasting. It's, it's, very it's wet. not a very dry tasting beer, that's for sure. That's what good. Else? I used to work at a coffee shop for like eight years, so I kind of got experience with coffee. Not so much beer, but I can kind of detect little ways of describing things like that. But I can respect that. Here we are, live interview, downtown Montreal. We got the firefighters running by. I like that very much. Yes, yeah, the real city life. Here we go. Let's just jump straight into it. Yeah, it's uh, nice. Vox and Hops, all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about life, metal, while sharing a craft beer. Um, shittiest question, the one that I like to start these off with. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, half of 2022, and uh, most certainly, hopefully, none of 2023? Yes, the pandemic of doom. Uh, yeah, dude, I mean, when we were, like, fully on tour for our album Undying Light. You know, we were fully doing, like, an album cycle. We were in Europe, February. 2020 and then uh we did mexico like the beginning of march or something like that and we were supposed to go on tour with uh legion and entheos in march yes and it was in america and i remember all that shit was going on at the airport and in the news you know what i mean when we were coming home from those other tours and i had yet to order the merch for the allegiant tour and we were just like all right let's just give it another couple weeks we had never waited this long to order merch you know what i mean normally be well past that and then yeah i remember just waiting and waiting so we weren't too sure and then yeah we got the news that it got canceled and then we realized everybody had to cancel everything so it went totally crazy and uh, yeah, I remember just like our everything that we're used to doing for the last 10 years because we started touring when we were like 18 or something. Now we had to figure a completely new deal out. And also while, you know, everybody's kind of just like doesn't know when it's going to end. And so you're kind of like the ambiguity of it all. Yeah. You can't plan out like, all right, well, I'll make this last for like a year or something. It's almost kinda like you got to start seeking out like new things that might be permanent. You know what I mean? So first thing I thought of was, all right, well, I'm going to have to like dive into the Internet essentially more than I have ever been before. You know, I, I was doing Instagram. Instagram, but kind of casually or whatever. And I mainly did that to connect with new Fallujah fans, but also like connect with uh, students because that was kind of my main thing was teaching at the time. That was your side hustle when kind of, not, yeah, when, not I, touring. Yeah, the, the main thing was touring, but the side hustle to kind of like fill in all the gaps was was scheduling lessons with people and booking sometimes studio time, uh, recording people and also doing session work and guest solos and all that from people asking from the band. And so uh, 
So I was like, yeah, I just need to make that bigger, bring more attention. So the first thing I did was kind of get into video equipment, what I what I need. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll just put up, you know, video covers and kind of go down the path of my friend Dean Lamb. Yeah. He had kind of already had that established. And yeah, he was actually, killing it. Yeah, he's, yeah. And he actually was the main dude that, uh, you know, every time I had a question about cameras, he was giving me all the info about, you know, I didn't know anything about capture cards or DSLRs or how to get that cool look on you know, on your videos and all that. So that guy was, shout out to that guy, he helped me out with finding all the equipment and kind of got started. And I started, uh, you know, trying to put out some YouTube videos. I did some like Fallujah covers and I was doing, uh, what is that one crazy one? Uh, Crossroads, you know what I mean? I was just trying to do the crazy shit I could think of, you know, bring as Get much. Get those clicks. Yeah, yeah, more attention. I think I did like uh, Bleed by Mashuga in one take with uh, my seven string. I like transcribed it. Amazing. Just make it weird or something like that. But yeah, that's a grind and, and it doesn't really like, it takes a while for it to start, like, kind of picking up. And it was kind of picking up, but, it, I don't know, it wasn't really exciting. I think Nuclear Blast put on a stream for Fallujah on Twitch to, like, kind of, like, raise money for bands that are being destroyed by the pandemic or something like that. And it gave me an idea. I was like, hey, why don't I just go on Twitch and kind of invite everybody that's got me on Instagram and Facebook to kind of hang out. And, and I don't know, we'll just start with, like, kind of Q&A, and maybe I'll play through some songs. Like, I started off with just, like, a shitty webcam and like a room mic and we just started off with conversations and then we eventually built a schedule and eventually turned into me performing songs and then eventually performing in front of a green screen and then I upgraded to an entire room that's a green screen really? so my full body's on the screen and, so and then we have all these crazy backgrounds that the audience can change and redeem and they could even change my face they could put they could turn me into a goat or uh, all while playing Mashuga songs and decapitated <laughs> cattle decap. All as the hard as possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this, at this, so, you know, that was, it started moving really fast with that. You know what I mean? I started getting attention with that and having an audience every time I would play. And also having like Fallujah fans kind of like in, reinvigorated, it seems like we had like a small little group and, you know, and these people are requesting songs that I haven't played in like five or 10 years. You know what I mean? So. Over the two years, I ended up like relearning our entire discography, uh, which I had, you know, some of those songs I never even listened to. You know what exactly. I mean? I'm sure you know what's up with, and, with having older say, albums. Yeah. Like, you don't go sit you there. You forget. And, you, you record them, you write them, you record them, and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, people are asking you when, when you put out a new album, you're like, they're asking about your history and you're talking about it like you really know it. You know but what I mean? you, it's like an old girlfriend that you've never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of, you're, you're kind of you're like, I know where we're at in our path, but I feel like doing that and learning all those songs, it made me really in touch with our music. And not only that, but in touch with what people like about our music mm -hmm. and what they connect with. Cause like I was, it's like live right there. I have a chat saying, yo, play this song. And I'm like, you want to hear that song? That's, that's just so boring. interesting. Yeah, that, that song's boring to me. You know really? what I mean? So I, it even changed the way we would like create a set list. Cause I feel like we understand. Absolutely. what people want versus what you know satisfies us you know and our egos being the musicians that are creating it i don't know so that's all happening and and it got to, to the point where i didn't have to teach guitar lessons anymore and that's became, because twitch is covering yeah, yeah, it's worth those the, expenses yeah and it's way more worth my time so that was, income sorry twitch is covering that income yeah and to and you know lessons I, I put a lot of time into those so yeah. it's like yeah so i spent all the time on twitch and we were writing the album you know what i mean and uh yeah, it was just a really good experience. I know a lot of people didn't have uh, a lot of good experiences. It wasn't all good. There was like tons of obstacles. Obviously, we lost band members. Everybody went on different paths. There's a lot of things that I didn't want to happen happened or whatever. But you know, overall, I can't be. I'm super grateful for all the things that have happened. And I think because of that whole Twitch thing and going through all that and learning all that music and being in touch with those people, I think the album came out really awesome because it was like I'd be doing these 
these live kind of shows, and then that night I'd be working on riffs. You know what I mean? With the feedback I just received, like you know, that day, like oh, they like something like that, or I'm gonna make something ten times crazier tonight. You know what I mean? I'm just like this kind of feedback. You know? I think that's so damn cool. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you're talking about your your new album, Imperium. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which came out back on September 9th via Nuclear Blast. Shout out to Nuclear Blast for hooking you up with Twitch, giving you giving you that that outlet to connect with people to to re-fall in love and reconnect with your old material and then actually finding the true identity of what people love about Fallujah. Sure, yeah. And, and honestly, you know, the last like four or five years before that, I kind of went into like a more hipstery kind of genre with uh, with what I like to listen to, you know what I mean? Like, Do you think that was bleeding into what Fallujah was at that time? Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the album before this one, it's like super shoegazy, black metal, airy, atmospheric, because I think it was like finally I just decided to just go with the music I was listening to at the time and kind of push those ideas, the kind of grungy, almost like deftones, but also so Wolves in the Throne Room, but also some shoegaze bands that I really like, like Whirr would be another one, just obsessed with that kind of breathy, depressive sound or whatever. So the bands I was listening to with the first album when we were like 17 and 18, you know, those were, I wasn't really spinning those records as much, you know what I mean? But being on Twitch and learning material and the whole vibe of, the, of our channel is to is like death metal and guitar work, you know what I mean? So we'll do Steve Vai, but we'll also do like Cattle Decap and Decapitated. And all of a sudden I'm relearning these old songs by like Necrophagist and re-getting back into into like, you know, Deeds of Flesh and Severed Savior and Spawn of Possession. And I'm just like in those the last few years realizing like, damn, this is my favorite genre. Like, you know, like I like that other stuff. Maybe I just need to get away from from it because I was younger, but like death metal and technical death metal, 100% my favorite kind of music there is. And I just I had to remember that. You can love shoegaze and all that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have to bleed into the identity of sure, what Fuji yeah. is. Sure, yeah, yeah. And then replaying those songs that you were playing when you were 17, is it so much easier now because you're such a more prolific guitarist? Uh, I mean, it's, it was easier when... Uh, then I was younger, but for sure, going back and learning those riffs, I was like rolling my eyes, like God damn, like, <laughs> like, you, like we're really trying to. And I remember being a kid, being like, oh, it has to be as crazy as possible. We have to get attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I definitely we're relearning it, kind of like, oh, this is exhausting, like, dude, like <laughs> yeah. you put so many notes in this thing. You've learned over time that the notes don't matter; it's the whole song yeah, structure and the vibe that's the most important. Yeah. So some of those songs are still super challenging. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, good yeah, for, for you sure. to to using the pandemic as a good. time time to grow and to reconnect with your fans in a deeper meaningful way yeah. growing a community around the band it's amazing it's 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 what musicians are supposed to do is how it started right musicians started playing in little pubs and people would come and get to know them and then it would grow and grow into other pubs and people would follow it's, it's the same thing except right. it's, the twitch is the little pub yeah it's like a digital busking basically it's yeah it's weird <laughs> yeah, and if so many people that didn't know Fallujah found it through twitch like yesterday in Quebec City there was people that found the twitch and then from twitch got into, got into the band and love now they're that. at the show yeah, same yeah. thing with the podcast in an opposite way yeah see yeah, yeah. I love see it that back to beer um, classic Vox and Hops question do you remember your first beer yeah my dad gave it to me i think and i think it was because uh i can't remember well i think i first one i had was a non-alcoholic beer actually because uh we were working on a house and there was no water <laughs> you gotta stay hydrated <laughs> yeah but i was like i'm so thirsty he's like well there's these non-alcoholic beers you could have so i remember drinking it and hating it but but no i think i again my first real beer was with my dad and 
Yeah, I think I must have been like 19 or something like that. In the States, it's supposed to be 21 or whatever. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah, but I think I just Here had... in Canada, it's 18, so it's not against the law, people. Yeah, it's just trying. I don't know. I just tried it for the taste of it or whatever. He's really into IPAs. He's still really into it. Really? So your dad turned into a craft beer enthusiast. Yeah, he's into the double IPAs. I cannot. Really? I, big, heavy, eight percenters. Oh, I cannot stand them. Like, when I come home to visit the family, he always has to give me like a separate thing of beer. I, <laughs> different I, flight. It just tastes like syrup to me, man. I don't know. It's too... <laughs> so, so if you are going in your craft beer evolution from that first beer from your dad's, uh, where are you at now? If you're going to go out and order a beer here today, you said you wanted something light, like a lager, which is why we're drinking this Fest beer. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. It's actually six percent. I wasn't. It's a six percent or Fest beer. No. Yeah, I guess just that my family always drank IPAs and had different IPAs. Like we always had pale ales and Lagunitas, like you know, kind of California IPAs. I know. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. this is cool. Yeah, you're yeah. like, I want the opposite. Oh yeah. <laughs> and after years, I realized how lethargic it made me and shit. And it's good. It tastes good. But now I just like yeah, I stick with like Modelo's and Mexican beers because I can stay light on my feet. You know what I mean? You got to stay sharp. I <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. And it, especially, yeah, when we're on tour like this, and it's all I'm thinking about is the performance. Like, Hell oh, yeah. It's, it's the like, only reason why we're here. It's, am I going to get tired from this? Same with the food, too. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, you can't have machine. this bread or this rice because I'm going to be crashing in two hours and then Amazing. I'm going to deal with that. And, yeah. It's a mature approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Is that something you've learned over time? Yeah, for Was sure. there moments when, when Fallujah was a party band? Maybe not a party band, but you just try things and you're just like, that didn't go so well you know like like yeah someone's like has a joint and you're like yeah fuck it i'll try it yeah. before the set let's smoke this whole thing see, i've never done that yeah i've done it never it's the worst <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the worst idea for me some people have fun but that's literally the, to, when you have solos Oof. yeah you're done and every solo is different and yeah. has a different feel and yes and especially for uh the tour we're on we're playing the whole album all the way through so it's like I have amazing 13 or 14 solos so it's just like really stressful <laughs> yeah, it's been stressful kind of another classic Vox and Hops question when you were growing up in your parents house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents listen to um, well my dad was definitely into metal and my mom was into it too like they went to see um, like the big monsters of rock or whatever the fuck with like Eddie the Van big Halen four. yeah the big four they would go to that shit. So there was always, uh, you know, Metallica. There was always uh, Nirvana, Deftones, Tool. Uh, wow, my dad cool. was super into Corn and Tool. So like, I remember like going to the store with him to get the new Corn CD or whatever, yes. and then like staring at the cover because it had, you know, they always had crazy art or whatever. Yes. Yeah, that's so cool. So, yeah, so it was, it's a lot of metal influence. A lot of Deftones too. I remember being always hearing White Pony all the time. Like it was just on repeat forever. And then. What else? Scorpions were in there. The Eagles were in there. And, uh, yeah, that, that was my parents kind of thing. I think my mom, leaned, you know, she, you know, she had some more feminine stuff like, like Dixie chicks and like, you know, some other, I don't know stuff your mom would listen to. But yeah, my dad, <laughs> my dad definitely, he pushed metal hard. In fact, he took me to Ozfest when I was younger. So really? yeah, really push it over That's the That's really edge. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, at what point did you bring something into the house that was too much for your dad? Oh, yeah. That's a good-ass question. Yeah. Okay, so it was actually the same year that I went to OzFest or something. And uh, OzFest had, like, you know, closer to what my dad was listening to, but it was still kind of getting a little wilder. And at the time, I think I was really into Trivium. You know what I mean? That's what brought me. That's what made me want to go to the fest. And But because I'm, like, a kid, I just looked at the entire... Uh, lineup and then just got everybody CDs. So oh, like, you cool. know what I mean? So I was like, fuck it. If I'm going to go to this festival, like I'm not going to waste my money and, like, for you. and not just get, see trivia and be like, I don't know anybody. Of these. So I remember checking everybody out. It was like a dozen furies, shadows fall in flames. I think black Dahlia was on that one. I think, um, 
Uh, who was another one that I... Oh, Between the Burry to Me, straight up discovered from, like, you know, seeing them on that lineup and then downloading so all their cool. CDs. Yeah, it was a bunch of bands like that. And then I think... Um, like that year, later that year, like in the summer, at some point, I went down with my friends because I'm in the Bay Area. That's where I grew up. We went down to Fresno because he had family there. So I went some friends with Fresno. We went to the small club show. And at that small club show was uh, Job for a Cowboy, Animosity, uh, Cattle Decapitation from a Second Story Window. And I actually for- I know there's another band that I forgot. That I-, I don't know. But that insane lineup. Absolutely. And, and yeah, after that, it was like that's when I was into death metal. I remember literally like spending like from that night after that, just going to everybody's like top eights and just like searching for everybody else's bands that are on there, you know, trying to find more and more and more yes, and similar artists. Yeah. 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 Just, what a gift we were given. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Yeah. And people would sometimes drop their influences in the yeah. bio to go through all those bands. And it was just, that was it. That's how I found Psychroptic and Necrophagist and all the bands that were in the Bay, like Decrepit Birth and Severed oh, Savior yes. and all that shit. And yeah, there was, it was a done deal. And that's when my dad was like, like, I, I don't know what the fuck this is. What, what, what was it about <laughs> the extreme music that was too much for your dad? Uh, I think it was just the pure brutality and the vocals, of the course. The vocals yeah, tend to just be. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he, he's, he's gotten down some pretty heavy music before. But yeah, I think once it gets to like straight up, like, you know, so many notes being thrown at you and double kicks and like snare hits. Like, like yeah, you gotta, it's almost Where's like you got to develop one? that. Like, <laughs> Where is the one? <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. <laughs> it was way past Tool and Death Nones and yeah. Corn. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very yeah, yeah. cool. See, that's a very, very different approach that I get from than most artists. There's a few, uh, in, like a handful of artists that have had that same type of upbringing. Ben from um, Shadow of Intent. Yeah, yeah, I know. Has that. the same sort of growing up with Corn in the house and Slipknot in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then becoming you know a crazy vocalist you becoming a crazy guitarist <laughs> yeah. i think that's so cool what 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 point did the guitar come in was it always something that you wanted to gravitate towards uh well i think my friend got one or something and i always had a guitar at our house we had acoustic guitar okay because your dad played or uh no it's just at the house i think it was my like grandpa's or something yeah. my dad did not play uh guitar at all you know what i mean he was a tradesman uh but his brother was a guitar player and as soon as he, his brother found out, my uncle found out that I liked guitar. He was like, all right, I'll give him guitar lessons. And yeah, that was kind of a big Amazing. thing. He literally yeah. gave, me, gave me one of his old guitars. It was a shitty guitar. <laughs> it has the, to be. The first one has to be. Yeah. and uh, I think you got to work. Honestly, I think that's an important. If anyone's listening right. and your kids are into guitar, don't buy them the best fucking guitar right away. Yeah, you're right. Make them work for it. Yeah, I, think you're, I think you're right, dude. Yeah, 100%. I've never seen anybody get some super nice shit ever kind of like. You know, and then, then <laughs> are they going to really continue? You know, like. Yeah, yeah. Where are they working? towards it needs some boundaries yes. for sure but uh yeah my uncle uh that's my dad's brother that f- first guitar lesson he dropped uh I, you know i had my background with my parents or whatever and i think it was they were into all the stuff i was talking about but my uncle burned me like and all of Jimi Hendrix discography, really? all of the okay. Beatles, all of Amazing. the, uh, all of David Bowie, and um, all of uh, did I say Led Zeppelin already? No. But yeah, it was yeah. like this big ass bag. Wow. It was the first day of lessons or whatever because we, you knew this is your just, homework. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then I listened to those nonstop and got to know Jimi Hendrix. He became my favorite artist out of all that bunch. And but I knew all the other stuff, and so we learned all those songs and learned about it, the theory for it all and. And that was kind of like where I started getting into guitar. And that was when I was like 12. So, so, you know, so I was the kid wearing the Led Zeppelin shirts and the Jimi Hendrix shirts at school. And then 
I always, you know, my dad always listened to metal, so I always knew that kind of music or whatever. But at the time, I was into this classic rock kind of guitar music or whatever. And then OzFest and all those death metal shows kind of brought it to where now I'm putting together a band and trying to put together music, you know. It was all really like the same same year, really, like 2005. Kind what, of what a formative time. Isn't yeah, it weird. crazy what yeah. happens in high school? I always say this all the time to my friends and stuff. High school felt like it lasted forever. It was five years. If you look back at how many five years have passed since then, oh, yeah. for me, it's four or five times that. You sure, know, it's yeah, yeah. fucking crazy. It just goes but right those by. formative years seem to be so important, are so important, and time seemed to have passed slower. Yeah, it's like made everything a little bit more important during those times. Yeah, it's like those albums that came out, too, just seems like... In your brain just every, forever. Yeah, so, yeah. And if you go back there and I listen to those albums, let's say Korn's first album. Right, right. I have this scene when I was not happy leaving high school. Yeah, yeah. And it was the, I can't stand the sight of you. I can't stand all so the metal. things you do. And then I have it in my brain. Like, I, I can be right Goes back right there. with it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. crazy. It matches yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I don't know about you. When I go back to that era of the records, I'm like, oh, that's their best album. Oh, that's their best album. I don't know if it's just in our head or whatever. Or that was just we're a great old. time. We're getting old. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I know I'm getting old. Yeah, I don't know. Who cares? First shows. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the OzFest show. I'd, I'd like to take you back even further. Do you okay. remember the first live music? experience you yeah i do see. actually my uh grandparents took me to uh sticks and yes. peter frampton that's pretty cool actually. yeah it was pretty dope yeah I was peter surprised. frampton was like, like a guitar god yeah yeah totally yeah so so yeah. It's, it lines up perfectly yeah it was yeah he was awesome yeah sticks was sick they had a huge show i think i saw him at the um, i think the conquered pavilion i can't remember it was a while ago but something like that is in the bay area basically and then uh yeah sticks put on this huge show and then yeah i loved peter frampton it was awesome he had the fucking talk box with his guitar and yeah he was super charismatic or whatever but that was the first one yeah i remember specifically yeah. shout out once again to tim donnelly for showing me peter frampton with the talk box oh sick when i was four or five years i can't remember oh, wow, the same yeah. guy that had the alice cooper poster in his room that terrified me the first like approach yeah. to like extreme visuals and metal let's say in music let's say so that was it for you is that how, early, what exposed you to extreme music early i think tim donnelly i got i haven't seen oh, i say it on the podcast all the time but i'd have to write him a message today. really what was your first metal album Ooh. I, manson i think was the first manson really yeah, yeah. that's funny yeah. my first very first album that i ever got was a uh iron maiden self-titled or the very first one or whatever that's not the killers right it's before the killers or i'm horrible made remember being like a little kid a like five or fan. six yeah. and my friend like ordered a stack of cds and his mom said not this the one. columbian house, the yeah, columbian I, house? I, had, I don't know what it was <laughs> but he had this stack of cds and his mom was like you can't have these ones so that's and he what, just that's gave them to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like sick i'll take them and i listened to those like crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing i mean i was already hearing my dad's metal but that was the first time i got my own cd uh, and i was like this oh is shit mine. and the yeah. cover had the, one of them was because it was two of them i think and one of them had it was killers where he's about to fucking yes. whack somebody yeah. with an axe yeah they were like begging for their lives so but, scary yeah, i was like, like this is awesome. like seven years old like this is crazy <laughs> this is wild. how about your first time on stage here you are oh first time on stage yeah uh 2005 trying to start a band you obviously did start a band i don't know if you were playing on stage before that no uh it was yeah never the first time i played on stage was with fallujah actually no yeah that was my 16th birthday at a venue called the red house in walnut creek yeah i remember that night no pretty way yeah actually yeah yeah because we did were formed the band we were jamming and that was when i was yeah it's when i turned 16 and i remember you know i think 2005 for me was uh when i was 14 and so like probably from 
got into when I was 15, formed the band, and we finally got enough songs and booked a show with some people, and we played it yeah when I was 16. Were you ready? Uh, I don't know. I circle head banged. I remember that. I yes. swung my little emo thing around yes. around my head. So I remember that. That was a constant. <laughs> I still do that today. <laughs> uh, but I remember. Uh, yeah, getting a little drunk and stoned, and then the next morning, all my homies were sleeping in my room, and I totally oh, got cool. busted for fucking. <laughs> I got left all my shit out. You know what I mean? Like, Whoa, we just yeah, got, I like, got it. <laughs> yeah, so we were partying since <laughs> since the first show, dude. I got grounded after that. I think worth it. <laughs> yeah, I was still allowed to play my guitar. Though. Totally worth it. To like you piece of shit. <laughs> Let's jump into Empyrean. All right, brand new album came out nuclear blast um i gotta ask it's it's an annoying question second annoying question you know where this is going lineup change oh sure you mentioned a little bit during um the pandemic that people's paths were going in separate directions well we know in death metal extreme metal extreme music in general it's hard to keep a lineup together yeah yeah you need millions of dollars to keep people around (laughs) when they hate each other (laughs) (laughs) when they hate each other okay we didn't hate each other sorry just to clarify that but you can imagine when you hate your job or something i don't know no a lot a lot of it was understandable so it's some it's really easy to talk about like you know rob had been in the band for 10 plus years. We went on our first tour together. Or he didn't go on the first tour, but he went on the second tour. The first tour was when we were 18, and I think he shortly after, because we were taking it more serious, you know, the people that, I think we kicked some members out back then, were like, let's get some serious dudes. He was that dude that we got. And he had been there for 10 plus years, and, you know, he would help with writing music, but not like, you know, not a hands-on approach. It'd be more like I'd show him demos, and there's feedback, and he's that hype guy, you know what I mean? He knows all the music I like. We have the same, you know, passion for the music, and that really helps when you're working on music. So he's always there. And then, you know, the pandemic happens, and it's like... We're never, it's like our whole rig that we had kind of fell apart. We don't. We made all our schedules based off of that, and I, th- I believe especially him. You know, he like I'm going gung ho. I was like, all right, pandemic, fine. I'm going to go into the internet yeah. and I'm going to write the craziest album yeah. I could possibly do, and you know, just, for, just for wait up for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think he was like, yeah, going through all that and then not really knowing because it's a lot of work to do these albums and then going not knowing that we're going to do all this tour and stuff i don't think he wanted to waste his time just like i didn't want to waste my time so he wanted to go and get a career and get an education and kind of take the time to you know go forward with that and like i totally respect that and he like did it in a really awesome way you know sometimes people get pissed off leaving in the middle of an album cycle or in the middle of working on an album you know shit like, shit happens yeah yeah that you know the way he did is super professional and awesome and, and it makes sense so he's, you're still brothers yeah yeah we yeah, we still talk to each other but but you know how it is with music you stay focused you do tunnel vision kind of thing or whatever and you know so that's that's all good you know but as far as changing a singer i think like again like i was super like almost like recklessly working on the album like fuck it i don't care if the world's ever going to open up again like we it ha- i just have to make this crazy record right now this is what i'm going to do i'm going to put everything into it and you know if you want to be involved and do it with me you got to put everything into it and get a little crazy with it so crazy that like you know I, we like lived at like a house for a month or so like out in Amazing. like near a lake and just like I just because I, this music takes so long if you'd let it you know what I mean I'm sure you know like it's, it's tedious Cry- cryptopsy all... tends to take a little bit longer than we should and it's for exactly many of these reasons that you're stating right now yeah it's like tedious so I feel like you almost have to drop everything and really just give it to it it's like a little adrenaline shot to the album process and then you can get to a point where now you're finishing it up and we could like kind of just muscle through it or whatever so yeah I think that that's kind of a brutal time and I'm kind of like a pretty intense person when it comes to that process you know what I mean so I think it was so just not everyone could keep up with that energy yeah so 
I kind of we move forward, and I think that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, you found you found excellent musicians, obviously. Yes. You know, yeah. Evan, one of the best bassists um, in the world. He was my favorite forever. Just, just unbelievable. I remember touring with the Faceless. I'm pretty 100 percent sure that he was on that tour. Yeah. Just, just unbelievable watching him backstage. Just enjoying playing constantly yeah and then a new vocalist kyle it's hard to have another vocalist come in after yeah but the identity of fallujah is more than just the sum of its parts it's like the whole thing yeah i think so i mean you know i'm just doing with i like making music and i'm always going to make music you know what i mean so and you've changed vocalists before so yeah is that something that you imagined because cryptopsy obviously we've done that as well and it was different eras and different identities sure sure but i feel like fallujah has like a common theme that's been going throughout the whole thing despite its vocalists yeah well for, yeah for me it begins and ends with the music everything you know what i mean so some people it's about the performance or the tours or or whatever but like for me the music is the most important thing and like i'm really intense about that and uh so it's just i gotta i gotta do with what i got to do you know what i mean and actually it was kind of it was weird having because I, I wanted a vocalist to last forever you know what i mean yeah. i mean that's the goal but you don't yeah, of you course don't, you don't need <laughs> we're being realistic i love or drama i didn't want i, I didn't love want it. to do i that. love yeah. when things change you know yeah yeah sure but you know i'm <laughs> sitting there and i'm trying to make the best music i possibly yeah. can and you know, it, it's not like, you know, it's not like this is the most hugest, grandest mm -hmm. thing in the world, but it's like, this is really important to me. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, if people are not motivated, then I'm looking for other people. And then, yeah, the fact that we were in the situation with the pandemic, like I just took my time and took the experience from trying to find somebody the last time. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, here we are again. You know, that's basically the same situation, but I just felt a little more confident and less anxious and I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I, I kind of already had been hearing what the album should sound like so I don't know and at the same time super lucky I think to have found Kyle I'd, I'd known Kyle from doing a guest solo on his record or whatever and 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 he's super super talented but that's like when you're trying to find somebody it's not always just about finding someone super talented no, you like have to like them different you have aspects. to like them they have to be they have, <laughs> yeah they have to be talented or maybe when it comes to recording and yeah. writing so that's yeah. one aspect and then when it comes to performing that's a whole other aspect yeah. and then yeah like you said living with them living with them likable okay and then the another one on top of that like where are they at in their life like how yeah. at this age how reliable is he going to be yeah. in five years too let's say sure and, and at this age like you know, this. You know, I'm married. There's people getting married. You got kids. You know, you got careers mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, okay, so you can ask somebody to. It's death metal. I'm not gonna like replace your income like totally. If, exactly. You know what I mean, if you're making like a salary or something like that, I'll try. But you know, can't guarantee it. How like, long it, are you going to stay? Yeah, yeah. It's like a mortgage payment. And, and, <laughs> Let's yeah, sign a mortgage right here. <laughs> all of those elements can all like affect it later down the road too. You know what I mean? And yeah, he's kind of an anomaly in the way that I think he's always wanted to do this. He's always been super prolific. Like he. He's always written music in an underground way. He's got like 20 EPs, you know what I mean? And he's never toured with those things. It's not like he's in this machine like Fallujah is. Like I have, like I like doing this, but I have a lot of pressure from people that, you know, we work with. You know, there's like booking agents and managers and labels and stuff. So it's like, it's not just purely like for the love and passion. But there are people like, kind of like, you know, pressuring me to, to move forward or whatever. But the fact that he puts out so much music and does so much without any pressure like that, that's impressive. Because he needs to. Yeah, it's, it's a great. part of his being. Yeah, yeah. And it was really clear when we started working with him. Like, he would just jump into the pocket, which is so hard for some people. Like, I, I write music for someone to perform 
on and usually they don't jump right into the pocket fit in between all the accents and motifs it's always kind of like a battle and i'm just used to that so it's a process or whatever but for him it was just like some of the first things he would put out i was just like whoa that's perfect it's better than the very cool than the because I would whisper out demos, you know what I mean? Like, here's my version of okay. the vocal accents. I was definitely going to ask that. Yeah, and he would How just, involved you were in the writing? Usually it was, I would do pre-pro like that. But when he tried out, like, I gave him one of the new songs after he nailed one of the older songs, and I just didn't give him any uh, guidance and just let him write lyrics and uh, phrasing, and it was just insane. And that was Soulbreaker, and what you hear on Soulbreaker is his phrasing that he wrote on his audition, so it's like... Super sick, yeah. Meant to be. Yeah, yeah. No, he kills it, man. I also have a bunch of guests. Something that, that is very cool, and it's a big part of the identity, is the, the female vocals. Yeah. That have been there since uh, 2016 now. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's two girls, right? It's uh, Kate and Tori. Yeah. I think it's important for the sound of Fallujah. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely conceded to that, for sure. I mean, the last album, Undying Light, I went to, like, a full experimental mode, and it was kind of me stepping away from, like, stuff that I'd been, like, doing... Because, you know, I've been there from the beginning making these songs and this progression, you know what I mean? And I just wanted to try something way more raw with way more, like, atmosphere. And I don't want to depend on guests or of any kind. Like, there's no guest solos. There's no guest vocals or whatever. It's just the band. And it's not even, like, electronic stuff. Any atmospheres we made, I tried to create them with my guitar and, like, do... Lay- you know what I mean? That was kind of the theme of that, like a more raw album, you know what I mean? And even the drum tones, we were trying to like, we were using like a bell brass snare and like that like that Gretsch kit and the Yamaha Customs, or so the Gretsch kick and then the uh, Yamaha Customs, kind of like an old school, like Metallica, Deftones kind of, and I felt like we nailed it, you know what I mean? So I was really into that album. And then, uh, yeah, with this album, it's like, let's make the ultimate Fallujah album. It's pretty clear that female vocals are what is a part of like the ultimate version of Fallujah, I think. And yeah, they had to bring back Tori. Obviously she, she was on one of our biggest songs, the void alone. And then yeah, having Katie, you know, I wanted somebody with a deeper voice. She has a deeper voice than Tori. And it was awesome to have her on this record. Cause I think she definitely like was kind of like a star shining as far as the female vocals on this one, where I don't think she had the chance to do that on dreamless, like with this one on embrace oblivion and what she does doesn't, uh, into the eventide it's like she really shines and it sounds perfect and I, I remember trying to get Tori to do Embrace Oblivion because that was her favorite song I sent her a few tracks she's like I want to be on this song and she even conceded she's like yeah I think my vocal range isn't right for this or whatever and she, that's why she's on Radiant Ascension I mean she's amazing too mature like, again yeah so the maturity of artists yeah that's cool right? through right, throughout yeah. this conversation I like that yeah it's yeah. good Yeah, you can see that as you get older some... and then you got some uh, Vox and Ops alumni uh, Chaney from Entios yeah that's I, I just thought it would be awesome to have some more people from the Bay Area involved in music. I like... She's not from there anymore, but it's no, okay. No, I know. That's fu- <laughs> fucked up because she betrayed the Bay Area. Yeah, they left for they, they left for Nashville. But, uh, but yeah, and also when we were listening to the part, I was also hearing like a Frederick Thornall special defects kind of like yeah. you know, sound over it. And I was like, that's Chaney, basically. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I thought of her and, and I was like, yeah, she's from the Bay. That's cool. Let's, let's, let's hit her up. And yeah, I've been cool with those guys for a while. Absolutely. Levine and Chaney. They're Love awesome. Them. Yeah, yeah. So Love sick. them. They have a killer podcast too. You should also go listen to them. The Copper Crab Podcast people. Go check it out. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States. 
and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I think it's so damn cool that that your time on Twitch really honed in onto this album. I think had the pandemic not happened, it would have not been this album. No way. You would have hypothetically kept going in the shoegaze. Maybe. You know, we don't know because <laughs> we didn't live that dimension, right? Yeah, but yeah, what sure. happened was that you revisited old tracks that you never considered even putting into a set list and then realizing that people actually love these tracks. Yeah. And that it definitely influenced you writing the new material. I think that's awesome. I think it's something sure, very yeah, important yeah. that that we should that should be focused upon there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to be very uh, what's the word like uh, like a tapestry of sound. You know what I mean? As opposed to the other one being more like pure colors or whatever. This one I knew from the beginning it had to be like almost like. Not quite the same, but like when you put on Epitaph, like there's so much detail there. It's like, oh, we're going to have to listen to this five or ten yeah, times that's to true, really though. figure yeah. it out. Because that's what I loved about albums when I was younger. So it's like, oh, we should do that. It's going to be very tedious, but uh, let's Digging try this. Deep. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the modern era, people don't really spend much time with albums. It's more sure, of a yeah. track-by-track experience, but uh, Imperium is definitely an album experience yeah. that should be eaten in whole. People check it out. Do it. Um, mental health. Definitely want to talk about mental health. It's sure. something very important for me. Okay. Something yeah. that I feel in our scene uh, needs to be spoken about even yes. more. Uh, how, what do you do? What is your technique uh, when you're feeling down in the dumps? How do you make yourself feel better? What is something that you try to do? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, that is something that comes up super often because there's a lot of stuff. I mean, just, you know, like being on this tour, there's a lot of stuff that you have to deal with. I'll just talk about just maybe the performance stuff, not even like band dynamic stuff or, or, or being out on the road. You know what I mean? You, like, you're never going to play perfectly, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that's Does like... Does that drive you crazy? No, dude, it drives me nuts, because that's all I want to do is put on a great show really? and play to what I feel is my full capabilities, because I know I've, I've done some crazy shows where I nailed everything, and so you know it's there. And you're like I and can I could bring a stool. How often do you have to fight yourself? <laughs> yeah, or just yeah, I don't know. And then you know something happens, and it can be not even something that's in your control. Like I don't know, like you're it's just a technical issue. Or or dude, my hair just gets in my mouth or something yeah. like that. And you're like, I'm fucking. Yeah. You're trying to do that. Yeah. I'll do a whammy thing, all yeah. whatever. And it's just like, is that the moment know, that I want to throw up because I got a hair down my dude, throat or something like it's that? Amazing. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> when I was younger, it was really easy for that to just end the night. You know what I mean? Really? Especially if I got two solos fucked up in a row. No I was way. furious. You know what I mean? Maybe. It was something else or something like that or riffs or something just doesn't go my way this is and why you're so good this is good I guess you, you I need to know. you gotta <laughs> helmet in though yeah yeah, yeah but because because you are there and people are there and they're gonna love you whether you make a good you know, yeah that's what you gotta realize that it's more about the connection and it's more about the perform like the literal performance and not the details that's what makes that's yeah. like that's my brain and how it works for me you know what i mean and, and it took me side, a while to figure that out side 
when you're watching someone, are you as harsh? Never, ever. That's that's yeah, because you understand. Curious, yeah, that. yeah, and that yeah, that's kind of it's like you're in a different dimension. You're in the focus. Like yeah, dumb, everything's slower. Everything's louder. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I don't know if you know that when you're on you notice that on stage, like especially if you maybe you play those big ones. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Of a sudden, it's like, my heart is like, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. I'm sure we you play Vakken, man. Like yeah. the music just yeah. slows down, yeah. and all of a sudden, every movement is like it's really like it's know true your that shit. The, I've, I have spoken about the black void is what I yeah, call it when okay. you make a mistake, yeah. and then you're like, oh shit, I made a mistake. Oh fuck, I made a mistake. And then uh, because you're in that black void, it's like dude. a spiral. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Make right. another mistake. Can you get? Can you get? Jump out of the you rim. You have to jump out of the <laughs> rim. Really, of the yeah. Exactly, dude. Yeah, or else yeah. you get a bad move. Then right. you're down the drain. But. Yeah, so it's almost a part of it is just being, uh, what's the word, uh, I don't know, resilient, I guess, towards that stuff and understanding that it's not going to help you to get really mad no. all the time. No, 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 and no. It's and I think you should like really try to imagine yourself in the crowd because if you were in yeah. the crowd, you would be much more forgiving. Yeah, what's helped me, really helped me uh, is I stream all the shows. So I've, I've, uh. literally, I've literally had a show where I would be pretty pissed off and I just run upstairs, don't talk you to anybody, it. end the stream and watch it immediately with those parts that I fucked up. And really? Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I see what went wrong there. And sometimes I was like, oh, that was not as bad as I thought. Okay, it was. so if it is <laughs> fucking horrible and it's like the worst and you're embarrassed, and yeah, you're yeah, pissed, yeah, yeah. what is your technique to get you out of that? I think you just you just have to understand that it's like this is not the main like like people don't see you like the way you see you and, and you and you have to like move on. Like it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you get better. Just whatever. Sometimes things happen. Yeah, and that's kind of just part of it. You know what I mean? And I've actually gotten pretty good at and not getting super pissed off and relaxing. I guess if I had to give a specific technique as to uh, what to help is just, um, you know, because it's like a weird mental gymnastic you do. You kind of just got to be like, ah, fuck it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Nobody's perfect. And that was a hard thing for me on Twitch, too. That really helped me with Twitch is because I'm used to like Instagram videos or playthroughs. So you Where put, it's you, already perfect. That shit is perfect before you press upload. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. Twitch was a, a pretty shitty transition because it's like, you know, you believe that everybody sees you a certain way because you've been putting out this content a certain way. And here you are on Twitch, fully exposed, human. live and raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see, like, maybe you put out some videos of you improvising and made yourself look real, real sick. And now you have to improvise to a track right now. Like, that's the real you right there. And, and at first I was like, ah, you know, really paranoid all the time. And like, they're going to think I suck. You know what I mean? And then you realize that's, that you're like your your talent will shine through. People do see that, you know what I mean. And people understand that, you know, you don't have to be perfect and insane. Even though you got these people in your head, like for me, I just have people in my head that I know are insane and perfect. And I'm like, well, that motherfucker fucking nails it every night. Like I gotta so be like that. People are aliens. Yeah, but we can all become <laughs> aliens. I believe that's that true. if yeah. you change your brain into an alien brain, I guess. I, I like know. that. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's how you, if you're you're gonna be regular if you act regular, you know. So mm. just, I don't know. But uh, even then, yeah, I still get pissed off. But I think knowing when you're having good madmates, too, I've had people that have been like, bro, it's not worth it for you to get like this. You know what I mean? You relax. wasn't so bad. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, after well, 10 years of it. bring like a weird vibe into the band. Sure. And I've done it for sure. I've done, I've done like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> In the green room. If you're crawling back into a van together, the, the, the vibe is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're growing if one up, person you don't know what, is the right, off. what the right thing is. No, you know what I mean? if, if you start at 18. Yeah, you're just kind of doing no it. There's no school for this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. 
But uh, yeah, I guess you just got it, it's a skill in itself. Just let it fall off your back and figure Tomorrow. out. Tomorrow. Yeah, and, and always just focus on like, okay, what can I do to prevent that? And if mm-hmm. it's something you can't prevent, then it's absolutely nothing to to lose sweat over. You know what I mean? Like if someone strobed you in the face or you slipped and then you you weren't set up for the solo right and you fucked it up, there's nothing you can do about that. And if it was something that had to do with um, like for me now it's all just mentality like breathing like you know what i mean and being calm before i go on and not pressing too hard and playing too hard and you know what i mean it's like while looking super cool yeah you have to look cool as well <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it's like screaming so screaming is is a very relaxing thing right yeah. but we have to make it look like we're working really right. hard yeah, if, if not you, it looks weird and you, if you push yourself too hard the tone it sounds, won't work. Exactly. doesn't sound good yeah, exactly yeah. but you have to look like you're working really hard yeah <laughs> i say nobody cares as much as you care no but maintain that caring you know because what i mean it's like a yeah, 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 it's a balance. You know, wow. don't let it ruin your night, but you know, well, use I, it I don't as think fuel. I've ever met someone as hard on, them, on themselves as you. <laughs> oh, I've met Maybe some Christian pretty crazy Donaldson. people. Christian Donaldson's pretty fucking tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he'll th- drink it off and he'll feel okay. Dude, Joe from Psychroptic, he's pretty fucking brutal too, man. You should hear him. One of the most underrated guitarists oh, no. in the world. Yes, Anytime sir. I can say it, I send the podcast as often as I can. I agree 100%. He's so good. So, so Every good. Time. Yeah. Um, I got to talk about collabs. I love making collabs. I've released. 50 to 80 of them Sick. in the past two years i love making beers i like making teas i like making coffees you collabed with kiesel obviously we could talk about that one but i think it'd be more interesting if you could do your own collab for fallujah what would it be what is the perfect thing for fallujah to collab with something with with a fallujah logo on it either uh, a fallujah coffee or a fallujah sparkling water i would say i'm obsessed with sparkling water. really yeah i mean we drink coffee every day we're like totally addicted. i love coffee, like we'll literally yeah. be late for loaded <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like well, there's not going to be. It's good like going to the, the gas venue. station. There's not going to be good coffee yeah. at the venue. It's like you have to go to the gas station. Sorry, like you know, we had to go get coffee. It's like we'll show up with the coffees late. Yes. Like, like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, but no sparkling water. Is, I, don't, I don't know. I just A love bubbly. that shit. I'll literally, bubbly. I'll drive to the store like like it's cigarettes. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. like eight p.m. Like let's go to the store. We ran out. You know Me too. I mean? yeah, if yeah, if, really? if okay. I'm not drinking, I'll drink uh, sparkling water. Yeah, dude. I've yeah. tried them all, and like my favorite right now is Topo Chico. That's okay. like the, I love that one. Okay. I think it's from uh, Monterey or whatever. Okay. It's like a yeah. Mexican brand, but yeah, Gerald Steiner and Perrier and all that stuff. I went through them. I have opinions on all of them and which ones are better. Different times, different meals. He was Some looking for a Perrier. Oh yeah, when we walked when here. we walked here, we stopped like, at a Depeneur at a convenience store. They only had an Aha. <laughs> I guess it'll do. But I have to have one. It's like cigarettes, or it's like my weird habit. But I love that. If we had a Fallujah sparkling water, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. What flavor? Is it flavored? Is it not I flavored? I would call it uh, atmospheric lemon, probably. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just a hint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, this is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. Um, I'm from Montreal. I love Montreal. It's a vibrant city. It was very, very easy for me to fall into uh, a band with serious people because there's just so many amazing bands from here, so many people inspired being from here. You are from California. Same vibe, but way bigger, way more cities and w- way more bands. It's been easy filling the ranks because there's so many amazing musicians from california for you guys over the years talk to me about that about having that i would say there's like the medicine cabinet where someone's sick you can open the medicine cabinet and fill a void of a missing band member from the montreal scene versus the sure Cali yeah. scene. yeah no yeah there's tons of people that grew up in the bay and it's it's weird when you grow up in it you didn't realize it until you go on tour you're like oh not everybody's Everyone. scene is like no yeah yeah it's like it's <laughs> as packed as ours it has as many shows and stuff 
But um, I think when we were younger, we didn't realize that we had like a sick like crew of people. But it's cool to see it now. Ten years later, all these dudes have gone on to do some awesome stuff. Like Chasing Westmoreland filled in for us. That guy's super. What's the band he just played in? Vol Vol Volvidia, I think. Volvidia. Yeah, dude, it's insane. Gone, he's done with stuff with the Faceless and Hate Eternal yeah. and all these crazy bands. Jack Blackburn filled in for us uh, once. He did stuff for like Vital Remains. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Nicole Grun, he, uh, he filled in for us before he formed his band Vervum in Europe. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so I don't know. Maybe we just kind of, we all gathered around the music. You know what I mean? There's these fellow musicians are like, oh, that's some cool music you're making. And we all got to know each other. And at the time, I don't think we knew like that these were the, the guys that were going to be in all the bands later. It just happened. On. Yeah. But Something that's in the water. Yeah. Because, you know, we're younger. We can't like provide tons of money for these people. So it's not like the caliber of musicians is going to be like up there with the headlining bands or whatever like it's gonna be like kids like us that are trying to make it work and have a passion for doing it and are willing to sleep in a van to make it happen you know what i mean and i think what made us lucky to be in the bay area is having older mentors from you know what i mean because i actually had a lot of great conversations with older people that were in bands from the area like all shell parish was a really big band in our area and those dudes like literally would invite us to parties at their house and even one day like sat down and explained everything about record labels and their tactics with 360 deals and how you could be a huge band coming home with this money if you set yourself up with this or you could be a huge band coming home with this money if you set yourself up like this explaining all of this stuff to us and i don't maybe if you're a band from somewhere you know that doesn't have like a like a flourishing scene maybe you didn't get that information and as soon as you get an opportunity you jump at it without thinking about it and yeah that was kind of important just watching other older bands make it work you know that's another thing that's been shining throughout this conversation is you're not afraid to ask from for help sure from people that um, know what they're doing. You, you mentioned um, Archbire guitarist Dean. Yeah, Dean. Lamb. Dean, when you were starting to do video, you sure. mentioned as we were walking here talking about Matt Heafy right, right. for the Twitch stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here now, Al Shall Perish about record label stuff. Sure. I think that's a very important thing about the scene too. That's true. That that older mentors should be more open to young, flourishing bands. If you want your scene to do well, you need to nurture the yes. younger bands. So, yeah, so spread the knowledge. Yeah, they can't do. They're, yeah. yeah, they're going to struggle along the way if they do it. By <laughs> themselves for we, sure we all struggle <laughs> yeah and, and yeah when you're on tour you, you could see the young band doing some shit yeah. and you're like yo they shouldn't be doing that's that. a no <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's no <laughs> but instead of just like laughing at them you no know, no just no, go and tell them, them. Yeah. yeah 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 in a I think nice it's important. way yeah yeah I have one last question. Sure. Classic, classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often because uh, you're busy taking care, being the best guitarist you can be, sure. uh, leading a fucking great band, uh, writing crazy albums in the woods for months. Yes. Um, <laughs> but every once in a while, it happens to everyone, hypothetically, later tonight, if you come back to Turbo House, massive cheers to the Turbo House crew for accepting us, welcoming us to come here tonight and serving us a killer Lagerbrau Breer. Every once in a while, happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure hangover cure hmm let's see i would say some uh pedialyte and some top ramen yes. yeah yeah some real <laughs> salty liquidy shit you know what i mean but i do the top ramen hack where you uh before you put in the powders and all that stuff you put an egg mayonnaise and sriracha and some garlic in there and you swish it all up Ooh. in there and it gets all super dank like a real ramen thing Ooh. yeah that's usually what i'll have that or uh Pokey. I don't know if you have Pokey. Uh, it's like it's like kind of like raw sushi. It's like just like like the raw tuna. Yes. With like 
Of course. That seems like the best thing for hangovers. It's like all the different stuff in there. It's, yeah, it's not too weird. That's the first time I've gotten that yeah, one. Yeah, both kind of Japanese-style yeah. foods. I don't know why. It's the salt, that. I think. It makes you want to drink more. But Pedialyte. Pedialyte is, the <laughs> is, a, is a massive secret. <laughs> I've noticed I, I learned I that from collab. being on tour. I need a collab with Pedialyte. <laughs> Scott, thank you so, so much for taking the time hanging out with me, talking about your life, Hell music, yeah. sharing a killer lager brow at your house. This is great. I had a blast. Hope you had a blast. You're going to kill it tonight with Psychroptic. This is great. Thanks so much. Dude, cheers. Thank you, man. I had fun. Hell yeah. Big cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. I know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this is an awesome conversation. I love getting to do face-to-face interviews, especially with people that I don't know that well. What a deeper connection we form face-to-face versus speaking virtually on Zoom as I normally do. Awesome. I really enjoyed it, and I was blown away by Scott's level of perfectionism, the way that he has to just play perfectly. I was uh, blown away, and I went to the show after we had this conversation, and lo and behold, when I went upstairs to say goodbye to him, what was he doing after his set? He was looking at the video that he had filmed for his Twitch, and he was checking out any spots where he felt that he was not perfect. I was blown away. Massive cheers to Scott. You were amazing and you are amazing you got to take it easy on yourself we can't always be perfect i am very impressed with your level of perfectionism but don't let it get you down huge cheers to scott for hanging out with me i had a blast i hope he did as well now if you enjoyed this vox and hops episode you should sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can on my website voxandhops.com that's v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com and when you do that you shall receive one email a month that will contain all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast you will get to see which episodes i dropped recently you also get to see which episodes i have coming up you will also get to hear about any projects i have in the works before i announce them to the public and you'll get to see which albums the vox and hops album review crew have reviewed recently and you'll also get to see which bands jerry monk the metal architect himself has added to the brutal awakenings playlist the most extreme the most fresh metal music in the world you want to know what's happening in the music scene you want to know what's happening underground well the brutal awakenings playlist is what you want to be checking out there is just so much going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast i'd hate for you to miss a single thing so please sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound telling me in an evergreen podcast i hope you have a killer rest of the week i have one more episode coming up this friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops heads welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute what's the name of that podcast that's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh revisiting classic material talking about the new classics um all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week 
So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>